Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Jerry Thomas Jr. and we are here with DLF, Discipleship Learning Fellowship Life Group, and I have with me my amazing wife, Alicia Thomas. Hello everyone. <laughs> so today we have an amazing topic, and I would say that this is one of the better episodes that we have, not to say that the other ones were good, but this one is going to we're going to explore a deeper concept in terms of graduation and so i want you to kind of join me in really understanding some of these concepts and you know if you learn anything we hope that you can apply them um, in your life and to see uh, where you can make improvements on so before we begin i would like to start us off with a prayer father god we thank you for this day for using us, for allowing us to see another day and to really give you our best in this day. We thank you, Lord, for being our light, for being our Savior, and for showing us the way. Lord, as we dive into your word, we ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit who gives us everything we need to successfully do the work that you call us to do. Without, Lord, the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything. And so, Lord, we are depending solely upon the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, to lead us, to guide us in all all righteousness and wisdom. So, Lord God, we thank you. We love you. We just ask that you be a part of our conversation. Be a part of us, Lord God, and to just interrupt us at any time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, like I mentioned today, family, we are going to be exploring the concept of graduation, a deeper concept. And when I first thought of this, it was actually probably a couple of weeks ago, but um, I realized that during this time of, um, this is June, we just left out of May, but um, around this time is usually graduation season, whether you're graduating from elementary school, high school, college or even graduate school uh, for a higher degree or whether it may be graduating from taking a course that you're trying to get a certificate in we realize that we're in a season of graduation but I want to let you know that in life we're always graduating whether we're trying to get a promotion whether we're trying to go to the next phase of our life whether that involves moving from area to a new area um, or whether it's improving your character uh, so I wanted to start off with um, describing a time that you had to make a life-changing decision that affected the way your life if it resulted in a prosperous way or a positive way or if it resulted in a detrimental way or a negative way um, and so, Alicia, I want to start with you. Um, was there a time that you had to make a decision that kind of determined the next steps in your life, if they were positive or if they were negative, if it kind of set you back or pushed you forward to your goals? Mm-hmm. I can think of a few instances. Um, so, there have been times where I was going to move jobs, transfer jobs, and that made an impact as to what direction I was going to go in. Um, when you and I moved to North Carolina, that was an instance 
when I left Florida, I had left Florida um, in hopes of, you know, obviously we were going to get married. Um, I quit my job. I didn't have a job here. Um, so, you know, those were instances. And in, in more recently, I've had situations, I think, were just, you know, sometimes where you're trying to find a church home. And that can also, you know, you don't know what direction it's going to take because you don't know what leadership. You have an idea of what leadership you want to be under. Mm-hmm. But um, you don't know until you actually get there. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope that answers your question. Oh, it does. And kind of in line with what you mentioned, um, I have the same um kind of the same story in that regard where we were both um, in the process of getting married but living in Alabama um, just graduated and trying to determine the next steps uh, it was a lot of decisions to be made um, in regards to job position in regards to the where we would live also the church home that we would attend because we you know, really like being um, part of a strong church community, one that is really focused on God and doing things um, as um, correctly as possible, um, but not afraid to make mistakes, but also just willing to just live for God. Um, so there's a lot of decisions that I had to make during that time, but um, thankfully, God led us, you know, through those decisions, um, helping us to see the right way. Um, I definitely know that prayer really helped and, you know, always consulting people who um, were wise, who had a level head and, you know, also went through similar situations um, in their lives. I think that really helped me to make the best decisions. and I would say that um, in life, it's always important to, you know, one, pray, and then two, always consult um, God first and then people second, um, because consulting God kind of starts that activation process um, along with prayer, but also when you have people that come up to you um, and they share things with you, you always have to kind of decipher if it's going to help you or if it's not really Um, beneficial to you you always have to kind of put on your thinking hat to determine what's best at that time so I kind of want to transition into the meaning of graduation Uh, sometimes we can throw different terms around but rarely do we take the time to really define it Um, so I kind of did some research in myself and after looking at different sources and kind of being able to put together a definition um, because some sources had one meaning and other sources it wasn't that they had a different meaning but it was kind of of a um, more detailed um, answer and so the meaning of graduation that I came across was um, or that I thought it was the process of receiving a degree slash certificate um, and or it could be an acknowledgement of successfully completing the requirements um, for obtaining that particular degree or acknowledgement um, you know if that is a better way of describing it so that's kind of the way I understood it is being able to receive um, 
a higher accomplishment for completing the task at hand um, or completing all the necessary requirements for that task. And I kind of also wanted to discuss what does graduation mean? Uh, so there were two concepts that I thought of um, in terms of how graduation is also what it means to different people. So in men's terms, I realize that graduation can mean it can mean freedom and opportunity to do whatever you want to do in life. Um, so once you graduate, whether it's from high school, I would say um, you can either become a celebrity, um, you can become a caregiver if you want to um, just be there to help people. Um, you can, you know, I, I know this may catch some people out guard, but you can become a groupie, you know, once you graduate, if that's your thing. You know, I kind of say these things because a lot of times we don't think about these um, particular roles as things that we like to do once we graduate. But to be honest, some people, they set their mind on, hey, I want to be a player or I want to be a stripper or I kind of want to, I guess, kind of go into odd jobs, um, so to speak. Um, I kind of want to do things the way I want to do. And that kind of goes back to what I was mentioning, freedom and opportunity to, to, to do whatever you want to do in life. Um, and so whether that means, hey, I want to be the richest person in this particular area or I want to be the most popular person on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, um, you have the opportunity to choose whatever you want to do in life. <clears throat> um, and even with that, um, that involves whether you want to take on a blue collar job or a white collar job, whether you want to take a job that doesn't um, put you in that executive position, but something that you can say, hey, I like doing this. Um, if I move up, that's good, but I, I kind of feel comfortable down here or an executive position where you say, hey, I want to be able to manage multiple people. I see myself being able to help people to um, show them ways of doing things better that can really help them to be more productive. Um, and so those are kind of two um, concepts that I I saw, um, or that would be one concept that I saw in man's terms. The second one is biblical terms. And though graduation um, is not mentioned in the Bible um, that I saw of, but kind of the way that I that it meant to me um, in biblical terms would be to obey what God has called you to do. Um, that's kind of the best way I could define graduation. Um, and why I kind of defined it that way is uh, in the Bible, you kind of you kind of saw different examples of people who obey what God called them to, to do or people who didn't disobey. And some of those who disobeyed, there were very, very strong consequences. Um, I think it was a um, it was a scripture. I couldn't remember which um, chapter in the Old Testament, but there was um, I think a man named um, Uriah or Uzziah. Um, he was holding the altar, and I believe there was a. Um, it was either an animal, like an ox. Oh, it was an ox. Yeah, it was an ox that stumbled 
and because and because the altar um, I guess had failed um, Uriah or Uzziah he was struck down by lightning and I kind of remember that and I was like man that must have been just horrific to kind of see something like that happen but um, kind of a lot of times in the Bible you'll see different scriptures but you also have to do more research to understand exactly why situations happened the way they did um, or to understand why it was so important to maintain the altar of God because it was sacred um, you know to drop the altar of God means that you um, kind of have a lack of regard for the altar um, and so that kind of transitions into into like I said what I believe that biblical terms of graduation means to obey what God has called us to do. Um, Alicia, you have any comments with that? In terms of like following instructions? Yeah, following instructions as well as, um, you know, if that would be, I guess, kind of an accurate way to put it of, you know, what graduation means in man's terms and in biblical terms. I think man's terms you know, we look at it as a term of promotion, which I think God looks at it the same way. Um, I think when you had asked me originally about graduation, um, my first thought was about Abraham. Well, his change from Abram to Abraham, that's what I think about. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think of God's looking at, you know, you have successfully... Um, met all the requirements or mastered x y and z mm -hmm. and now i'm going to you know um, move you forward um and so what i think about the difference between man's ways and god's ways. so man's ways are sometimes you get promoted and you don't even deserve it mm -hmm. um you know we see that in many ways we see that in the education system um, although, you know, we have certain acts and laws that are in place that are intended not to right. push people through without them being fully, um, I guess, prepared to move. But sometimes it still happens. You see children, they're not prepared and they still get pushed along to the next grade and then they end up struggling, you know, mm -hmm. to stay afloat. Um, same thing with jobs. You see people who may not be deserving of certain positions, whether their character is not in line or mm -hmm. whether they just don't have the knowledge and expertise to stay in that position. But with God, God puts us through a, um, certain situations mm -hmm. and he will not promote us until we are really ready. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why we often face many uh, situations, many tests. And sometimes we re we repeat tests until mm -hmm. we have passed. You know, sometimes in the school system, you know, we have things such as extra credit. You know, you could have failed that final exam, but the mm -hmm. teacher's like, I'll give you this extra, extra credit, credit yeah. so I can move you forward. But with God, God says, no, I'm not going to move you forward until you have passed this test. And with God, I, this is just how I feel. It's either pass or fail. There is no C's and D's and in-betweens mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, well, you know, you passed, but you were, you know, not at the top of the class. No, God's either a top, you, either you pass or you fail. But I thought about, um, this is Genesis 17, mm -hmm. um, uh, where it talks about where Abram's name had been changed from Abram to Abraham. And so it's verse, it starts at verse five. 
And he says, No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after after you for your generations to come for the generations to come to be your God and to and the God of your descendants after you. And then it goes on and it talks about all the things that God um, will give Abraham and mm-hmm. the things that um, the requirements of Abraham and what he must do to keep the covenant. But um, so but what I think about here, God is a very detailed, you know, he gives us instructions. Um, sometimes we're promoted and we don't even know what's expected of us. And that's sometimes I think about the difference between promotion and graduation in in the world standards versus God standards. God is a very detail-oriented God. So when he moves us forward, he's going to tell us everything that we need to do, Mm -hmm. everything he expects of us, unlike sometimes... You know, I've had jobs where I had no clue. I just got a promotion, but I didn't know what was expected of me. I didn't know what my new role would entail. You know, they just kind of cover it up and fluff it up in in your job description. They say other duties as assigned. Mm-hmm. You know, they always throw that in there. So you don't really know everything you're going to be doing. But God will tell you, no, this is what you have to do and that's what you have to do. But you are prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't have to worry about you know, God, am I qualified? Well, he wouldn't have put you in this situation if he didn't feel as though you were qualified. You know, sometimes that's what we face with man. We get in these positions and then we get scared and we're like, I don't know if I can do this job. And you should be scared because you didn't consult God. God didn't tell you if you should move forward or God didn't tell you Mm -hmm. to move forward. So now you're concerned, can I actually live up to these human expectations? But with God, when God tells you to move, you don't have to worry about meeting expectations because where he guides, he's going to provide. So you don't have to worry about, can I live up to the expectations that have been set forth with me? God is going to give you, um, everything you need all the preparation work is going to be laid out all the foundation is going to be laid out so you don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. oh yeah i definitely agree um and kind of uh adding on to that which you mentioned um you know god will give us his expectation of what he wants us to do and sometimes um god he would give us a little bit at a time um because he wants to see if what he gives us, um, you know, whether it's um, a few instructions, how far we will go with those instructions before he will give us more. Um, <clears throat> and so kind of going into understanding, um, I guess, some biblical examples of this, um, like you mentioned in uh, um, what was it, Genesis 17, where um, Abram's name was changed to Abraham and we kind of saw that God was declaring this is what I would do for you but God's um, God's declaration of what he would do for Abraham did not come until Abraham uh, completed certain requirements that God had called him to do um, kind of looking at the story of Genesis 22 and this was where Abraham was put in in a position, um, and in the beginning of the 
um, story in Genesis 22, you see that in the passage it mentioned that God had tested Abraham. And kind of one of the things you always want to be aware of when you're reading scripture is whenever you see uh, where God was testing um, someone, um, it kind of indicated that this was a life-changing situation um, because God wouldn't test or it wouldn't say that unless it was a life-changing situation. Um, but just to kind of skim through um, because it is a pretty lengthy um, passage, but kind of skimming through, um, God wanted um, Abraham to take his son Isaac and then he wanted to offer him up as a burnt sacrifice. And with that, um, even before Genesis 22, uh, we know that God had promised to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child and his name would be Isaac. And before that time, um, Sarah and Abraham decided that they, um, or Sarah decided that, hey, you know, um, I'm not sure how long this is going to come to pass, but why don't we try to go out of our way and you can sleep with my maidservant, um, Hagar. Um, and I think they bore a child named uh, Ishmael. Mm -hmm. um, Ishmael. Um, and because Ishmael wasn't the promised child, um, he wasn't regarded in terms of what God promised Abraham. And so it was kind of like when God told Abraham and Sarah what he was going to do, they tried to, I guess, speed up the process. But, you know, one thing about God is, you know, whenever God calls you to do something or something that will be done, if he didn't tell you to do it, and second of all, it kind of went against, um, you know, being, you know, you know, man and wife like being on one because Sarah is basically telling Abraham, hey, you can sleep with this other woman who you are not in the covenant with. Um, you know, that kind of in and of itself, it doesn't have to be explained because, you know, that's not right. But because they decide to take those steps, then, um, you know, it kind of resulted in something that where Hagar had a baby and, you know, Sarah was upset. Um, and it was just kind of, it almost kind of leads you into a, a baby mama drama, <laughs> so to speak. And God was like, listen, you would have to be in that situation had you just been uh, content with what I had told you. So years later, this comes where um, after um, Abraham and Sarah bore Isaac, um, God told Abraham, I want you to offer Isaac as a burnt offering. So they went up to this um, mount and it was called Mount Moriah. And at first, Abraham, he didn't notice a ram in the bush because Isaac was like, hey, uh, where's the burnt offering? Because usually a burnt offering meant um, some type of livestock, whether it was an oxen um, or a calf, something of that nature. Um, and in this one, um, you know, kind of don't say it a lot, but I'm sure Abraham had to kind of been speaking internally with himself, like, what's going on? Like, we, we were told that we have a child, and now it's like, um, I'm basically about to sacrifice my child, and I'm not sure what's going on, but as you, as you read through Genesis 22, you kind of see that Abraham was obedient, 
Um, he continued to do what God called him to do. And even though this was a very hard situation, you kind of see how Abraham was very composed. Um, and I believe that it was um, in, let's see, I'm just trying to skim. So I believe that it was kind of somewhere between verses 13 and verses 17. Um, but this was where, um, or verses 12 through 13 where um, the angel or the Lord appeared to Abraham and said do not lay your hand on the lad so this is when in verse 11 Abraham he's he had he had the knife in his hand and he was about to come down with it on Isaac but as soon as he stretched it up to as soon as he stretched it up that was when the angel of the Lord came to him and it's kind of significant to see when he stretched his hand, it was like he was extending. Uh, it's kind of like you extended your hand as far as it could go. And that's kind of what God wanted to see from Abraham, that he would extend his faith as far as it would go. Um, because it was like he was extending it up high and God didn't want him to come back down with it, but he wanted to see how far he could go with his faith. So I kind of looked at in verse 10 when it said Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son um, I didn't see where it said it reverted his hand started to go back down but it just showed that it stretched and to me I kind of thought of this just now but it was significant because it kind of shows that God wants us to stretch as far as we can on our own and then he will provide the rest i think that's a good example because yeah. a lot of times i would have never thought about it i mean he could have just kind of killed his son mm -hmm. he didn't have to stretch his hand that far i mean you know like a many, short stretch yeah, but he, it's just so he stretched it he out he could have just been like, all right take him on the side or something like that. i'm just saying like if this person is laying down on an altar you don't really need to stretch your hand that that high so to speak if they're already laying down on the ground mm -hmm. you know you don't really need to go that high but i think that's a sign you know when our hands are lifted anyways it's Lift a sign high. of surrenderance and it's like a, it's a sign of hey i'm i'm thought i'm being submissive i'm listening to instructions so his hand was already up but i think it's like you said a sign of just um stretching of your faith mm -hmm. to lift your hands that high and sometimes god wants to He'll use us that way to where we're we're completely stretched, um, stretched thin, so to speak. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, that was um, Holy Spirit, guys. Um, like I said, I had just thought of that as I was reading that, um, and it never kind of stuck out to me, but I had kind of noticed that. But um, but yes, God wants to see. Sometimes we have to get to a place that's rock bottom. And I think this was kind of one of those moments that it could have been a, a, a very um, low place afterwards um, that Abraham and Sarah had to experience. But, you know, like I said, when God saw that, you know, Abraham stretched his hand, that's when, you know, he commanded the angel to, you know, tell Abraham, 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 here I am. Um, and like I mentioned at first, um, he couldn't see the ram that was in the thicket or caught in the thicket. And that's interesting because I believe that the ram was there the whole time. But because God wanted Abraham to, 
he wanted to see what Abraham would do. That was kind of, of the, I guess, the graduation indicator that the realm was there for you to sacrifice. Because even his son Isaac was like, hey, where's the um, burnt offering, you know, for us to sacrifice? But they didn't see it. But it wasn't until he stretched his hand and when the angel of the Lord appeared that his eyes was open to see the ram that was called. Um, so I think that is very significant in terms of, you know, really following instructions, even to the point where it's a, you know, literally a life or death situation. Um, we kind of also see um, an example of graduation in the book of Esther. Um, and this is an amazing um, lesson in the book of Esther. So much, so much life um, enriching tools and resources that you can get from it. But you have to take your time to understand, um, kind of understand a lot of the um, behind the scenes um, things that are going on. Uh, so we understand in the book of Esther, and I'm not sure if a lot of people are aware, but God's name is not mentioned in the book of Esther, and that's one of the, probably the only books in which God's name is not mentioned at all, and it kind of shows you how God can work in the background, even when his name is not declared, <clears throat> but how people will still honor him by doing what he has called them to do. And kind of in the book of Esther, we kind of see that um, Esther is kind of in a place where you know, she was uh, a Jew and doing kind of her daily responsibilities. And we know that King Ahasuerus, um, he was with King Queen Vashti. And I think there was a time where the king wanted Queen Vashti to um, kind of model for the people. And Queen Vashti said, no, I'm not going to model. And so um, some of the, I guess, the nobles... Um, or the officials that were in the king's court, they said, hey, Queen Vashti decided not to model in front of the people, so um, you don't want this to go on. Otherwise, other women will start to, you know, follow this type of trend that's going on. So the king, he decided to remove Queen Vashti from her role, and then he kind of issued um, like a decree in terms of, hey, I'm putting on, it's almost kind of like a contest. I want to see who would be the most beautiful woman for me? And it just so happened that um, Esther, I think Mordecai had mentioned it to her, but Esther um, was one of those women in line. And as soon as the king saw her, he was struck by her beauty to where he made her queen. And so now we see that um, instead of Esther being an ordinary woman, she is now queen um, before she couldn't dictate decisions over people, but now she has the ability to influence the king's decision-making. Um, and so it kind of shows you how quick things can work. Um, but then we also see that Mordecai, who is Esther's cousin, um, there was a time where Haman, um, who was one of the king's, I guess, best men, so to speak, or the, um, I forget right -hand the right-hand man, so to speak, uh, so it was like there was a parade where um, Haman was walking through and everyone had to bow down. But Mordecai said, I would not bow down before you. And so Haman was very furious, so furious to where he um, was 
um, where he had approached a king and he was like, hey, I want to I want there to be a decree that is established with your signet ring on it um, to say that um, all of the Jews will be killed by this time tomorrow or or by the next day or so. Um, so now you have Mordecai. I mean, uh, now you have King Ahasuerus who's, you know, sealed the deal for the Jews to be slayed by the hands of Haman and his men. And so now you have Mordecai who is um, he's weeping. He's put on sackcloth and ashes. Um, and before then, um, before then, Haman would. I guess he would kind of be at the um, the entrance of the court, or he would be near to Esther. But I guess after a few days, Esther, um, it was like Esther didn't, or one of her maidservants realized that Mordecai wasn't there. And in a way, that was a word that was sent to Esther that said that all the Jews would be killed, that you have to help us. And so this was kind of the turning point where Esther, she, um, when Mordecai said, hey, um, Haman has issued a decree to kill all of us. We need your help. And then Esther, she kind of responded in such a way where she was like, I don't know if I can help with this because I'll be putting my life at risk. And so Mordecai, he basically responded, and this was kind of my translation. Mordecai was basically saying, um, girlfriend. I just told you that we about to be slaves, so if you don't um, step up and help us out, our Lord and Savior will, and who knows what would happen to this kingdom court that you were in, probably even much worse if you don't help us. And so, after hearing that Elsa, she is kind of in between that dilemma. She's like, do I go out on a risk to save my people and risk my life? Or do I say, hey, I don't want to save my people. I want to stay here in the courts where it's comfortable, where I'm getting fed, where I'm getting taken care of, where I'm getting spoiled. And so Esther was kind of in a dilemma. And this is kind of important because God will allow us to be in a situation that may be comfortable for some time. But because if our eyes are not open wide enough, we can miss that we actually there on an assignment. And that assignment could be one that... You know, we may not be comfortable with, but um, in the end, Esther, she was like, hey, you know, I will I will risk my life for my people. And if I perish, I would perish. And so God wanted to kind of see how far Esther would go in this. So just kind of fast forward. Um, it's, it's almost kind of like a soap opera, so to speak, because the things happen so much where um, um, basically... Um, I'm trying to see exactly how the events played out after that. Um, so basically, um, before then, Mordecai, he had saved the king's life um, from an individual who's about to um, slay the king. Um, but Mordecai saved his life. And so it happened that, um, that the king had, when Mordecai, he was about to say, hey, um, I want to take out um, or Haven said, hey, I want to take out Mordecai. Um, Haven then approached the king. And so as soon as he approached the king, King Ahasuerus said, hey, um, what did, what would we do for the man who saved us? And this is important because um, Haman entered 
um, King Ahasuerus court and usually when you enter the court you would start speaking but as soon as Haman walked in the king started speaking and this is important because um, it kind of stopped um, Haman from it kind of stopped Haman from really proceeding with what he was about to say um, so as soon as the king said hey what should we do about the man who saved my life did we do anything for him and then I was like no and so um, he asked uh, King of Azurares asked Haman hey what should we do for the man who saved my life and and Haman um, this is what happened when you think when you kind of put yourself high up and you actually realize that you're going to be humble so low to where your life is on the line. And so Haman was like, well, we should give him this ring. We should put, you know, the royal robe on him. We should give him the king's ring. We should do all this. Haman was basically saying, hey, we should do all this because he's thinking I am going to be the man who saved the king's life. And then as soon as he finished saying all that, you know, uh, the king should do for the individual who saved his life, then King of Azurea says, um, so let it be so that Mordecai will be um, granted all these things. And so now Haman is kind of, um, he's kind of terrified because now Mordecai is is almost in a high, is in a higher position than he is. And so if he knew that, um, if he knew that um, Haman was trying to plot um, to take him out then Haman was like hey I don't want my life to be online so he's talking with his wife he said baby I'm about to be taken out and his wife was like baby that's on you <laughs> she's like she's like that's not me that's you and so um, Esther basically told um, at the time Esther was basically like hey king I would like to do a feast with you um, and this was before um, Haman approached uh, Mordecai um, King Ahasuerus quote. The reason why I'm going through this is because it's a lot of different parts that move in this situation. And it's important to see that God is moving so quickly um, that if if anything goes wrong, if you're not doing what you're called to do, then you could be one of those people who, whose life is on the line. So fast forward. Um, after Esther told King Ahasuerus, hey, um, Haman has issued a decree to kill all the Jews and even take my life. And so the king was kind of furious because he's like, who's threatening the king? Who's causing my wife to be, um, you know, in fear? And so the king went out into his garden. And then the next thing we know is that Haman, he was trying to plead for his life, but then he was on the queen. And so he, he was not trying to attack the queen, but he was basically pleading for his life to where he was laying, he was, he was on the queen's like, please, I beg of you. And then as soon as the king saw it, he was like, he was like, what? He was like, he was like, I found out that you're trying to kill my wife. And now I found out that you're all up on it. He was like, guards, take him away. And in those days, as soon as the king said, guards, take him away, it wasn't in the second chance. That was the way it was. And so Haman didn't have time to explain himself. He was, he was basically, um, his life was basically taken from him because of how you know corrupt he was um but then the interesting thing was so there was still the decree that esther said hey i don't want the jews to be killed so um king hajuer said hey do what you see is best and so anyone that uh, tries to attack the jews you can have my men and they will go out and they will slay anybody that tries to attack the jews but then the interesting thing was because haman had sons 
um, Esther said, "Hey, I want his sons to be, I want his sons to be slayed." Um, and this is important because if you back up in the scriptures, um, if you back up to, I think it was King or uh, First Kings uh, with King Saul, um, who God had gave um, instructions to to actually take out the. Was it the Amalekites? I'm not Amal- sure which group, but it was See, a group the, of people that he told God told him to slay all of them, man, woman, children. Yeah, and so um, God told Saul to take out everybody—women, children, livestock, men, everything—but Saul decided to spare the women, spare the children. And take some of the livestock because he thought, hey, I slayed all the men, so why not we take some of these things and we can make them a part of them. So that was when God regretted that he had promoted Saul. And that was probably one of the worst graduation prisons you could ever get where God regretted that he placed you in that position. This is important because if you fast forward, Haman is... um, is from that lineage of the Amalekites or the Amorites. And that particular group was just evil. It was no way that they would be changed. They were just evil and God wanted them to be destroyed. And so this is important when Esther said, hey, I want you to take out Haman's son because she knew that if they were to grow up, then they would become another problem. So she said, hey, I want you to take them all out. And after you take them out, I want them to be hung on the gallows. And so the gallows is almost like a spear. And in those days, they would hang the people up on the gallows. And what Esther wanted to do, she wanted all of Haman's sons to be hung up on the gallows to show the people. It's almost kind of like once you are winning in a in a sport sporting event and you just keep on scoring points, it's like you run up the score. Esther was basically saying... The next time anybody try to come across us, this is what you're going to get. And so that was important because, like I said, even though God's name wasn't mentioned in the book of Esther, his presence was still there to where uh, what he had called Esther and Mordecai to do, it was executed exactly the way he had told him to do so. Um, So I know this was very lengthy, um, but... Like you see, um, if you really take time to read the book of Esther, you'll kind of see a lot of those points. And you can't just read it one time. You have to kind of study it to see a lot of the, you know, behind the scenes or some of the aha moments um, to really see how how smoothly, how precisely and accurately God was working. And, you know, what it meant to really be obedient to, you know, God's every word. Um you know, I did want you know also mention that you know there are many more examples where God has called many people to do things and they were promoted. Um, and I think it's in Hebrews 11 you kind of see the hall of faith, um, and it's basically where it's kind of detailing the people who, you know, they took a risk for God, and because they took a risk, God acknowledged them. And when God acknowledges you, that is a high honor. Um, you know, we kind of saw with Elijah where he was taken up, you know, the, um, the only person who was taken up in heaven by a whirlwind, um, you know, that was the only, I guess kind of like the only death that didn't occur like traditionally, but it was done like, 
Well, there's Elijah, and then there's yeah. also um, Elijah and uh, someone. Else. There's someone else. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes. Yeah. So you kind of see that um, there are many examples of, you know, when God gives us instructions, you know, He definitely wants us to follow them. Because otherwise, we could be the enemy. And to be an enemy of God means that um, we... To be an enemy of God means that you would experience the wrath of God, which is never good at all. Um, so you may be wondering, why does this concept of graduation matter to me? Um, you know, there are three points I would say. One is because we all have a purpose, and without thoroughly understanding our purpose in life, we set ourselves up for failure and destruction. Um, so when we don't understand what God has called us to do, we tend to make decisions that we say, hey, I think I should make this, or someone wealthy told me I should do this. Um, it's kind of like how you see on social media, you kind of see some of the ads where people said, I've made my business this way. Let me show you how I did my business, or let me show you how I um, attracted over 3 million clients. Uh, let me show you how I went from zero to a hundred. Some, you know, type of um, some type of a, of description like that. And God is saying, "Hey, I don't want you to go down that route. I want you to do what I call you to do." Yes, the route that I'm taking you through may not be popular. It may not lead you to instant wealth. But guess what? I want you to do exactly what I'm calling you to do, and you will experience much more than what you can. Um, actually imagine or think um, the second point is obeying God's word you know speaking life over yourself and that's a key point is sometimes when you're in the season of testing like you mentioned Alicia like when you repeat a test sometimes it's easy for you to start speaking negatively about saying like I'm never going to get out of this test or I don't know if I'm qualified enough and it's like you're basically doubting yourself and God would not put you in a position where, one, you're not qualified or he doesn't believe that you're qualified. And two, God <clears throat> would not put you in a position to where he wouldn't see that you could grow. Because sometimes you don't have to be qualified. You don't have to know everything, but God just wants you to just do it. You don't have to be the most educated to do what God calls you to do or to even become, you know, a, a key figure in the area that God is leading you to do. Um, but when we receive words of wisdom, it helps us to advance farther than we could ever imagine. Um, and then my third point is to have riches of the world and to be pop, to be a popular individual without obeying God's will is keeping yourself in the pit. And what I mean by that is, you know, we live in a world where regardless of whether we admit it or not, but there is something that we look up to and, and it kind of affects the way we look at life. We're like, man, like, I wish I could be in that position. Like, what's taking me so long? Like, and it kind of makes you, it almost kind of frustrates you or it makes you become anxious in a way to kind of make decisions that have not been thoroughly thought about or you haven't consulted God about. But to make those decisions to say, hey, I'm just going to do this because it seems like the world accepts it. And to to live your life based on those decisions, it keeps you in the pit because it separates you from God. It separates you from really hearing sound doctrine. Um, it separates you from really growing. 
um, your character, I would say, when you decide to become a popular individual or when you decide that, hey, I just want to be rich, but you don't really think about, hey, what can I do for God that can bless someone else or what can my life mean to um, a kid that does not have a home or someone that needs a caregiver? Um, it's almost like you do not take those types of situations in regard. Um, yeah, anything you had to add? No, okay. And then my, the next one is, or my last um, subtopic that I want to discuss is, you know, kind of what do we do with what we've learned in this session? Um, so there would be three points that I would say. Uh, one is, you want to make sure that you understand your assignment. Um, like I said, we're always in the process of graduating. And, and one of the uh, major graduation goals that we go through, actually two, one is accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and living for him. But the second one, you know, which a lot of people may not be fond of, but it is actually a, it's actually a better concept than what you think, and that is death. And a lot of times people kind of look at death as, you know, it's very frightening. Um, it's, it's something that you, you don't ever want to have happen. But I would encourage you, the more that you embrace this idea of saying, hey, like this is the ultimate graduation step, um, because, you know, this basically determines whether you um, get promoted into heaven or whether you get promoted into hell. You know, those are only two options. And a lot of people don't think about that or rarely do they plan for that. Um, but I would say it's important for you to really um, to understand that, that death is going to be the ultimate graduation step. And you don't have to look at it as frightening, um, <clears throat> as a frightening concept, um, because there's actually a passage um, that talks about how when you are actually um, doing what God has called you to um, do, then death would not even be something that you have to fear. Um, so <clears throat> this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it is in, let me see, I lost the verse, but um, it is in verse, I'm going to read verse 51 through 52, and I would say that this would really comfort you. Um, in regards to death, because I'm sure a lot of people kind of fear death. They don't ever want it to happen. But I would say the more you can say, hey, I, you know, don't mind. I look forward to me, my Lord and Savior. But until then, I'm going to do what he has called me to do. I'm not even going to let that catch me off guard. So I want to do this scripture was really comforting to me. I want to be comforting to you. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. And it says, behold, I tell you a mystery. When we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And what it means by all sleep is, you know, when we are um, in that process of um, transitioning from our mortal bodies to um, our Heavenly Father's glorified, um, the glorified body that He has for us. Um, it says, We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, 
For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So, when I thought of this scripture, um, it really brought comfort to me, because I know a lot of people kind of fear, you know, how I'll be taken out, or, you know, I don't want to be in the car accident, or things of that nature. Well, one, you can always pray. Um, God calls us to pray, all kinds of prayers. So, when we are praying, you know, God will, will hear our prayers. But then, too, in line with that, when we obey what God calls us to do, like I mentioned earlier, that things like death wouldn't even be something that um, that we fear. You know, the enemy wants us to fear death, but God wants us to look at it. Hey, if you're doing what I called you to do, hey, um, my Holy Spirit that I have in you, he's going to guide you. He's with you. And so we have to realize we have the Holy Spirit in us who's, going, who's with us every step of graduation that we're making our lives and it's not like the Holy Spirit is going to leave us. We actually have the Holy Spirit because he actually helps us um, to transition um, into that process. Um, and so like I said, I know that may not rub people the right way, but I really want you to, you know, face it, you know, because it's something that we all have to face, you know, whether, you know, we are taken, um, you know, at the last trumpet sound or whether we are taken traditionally um, in our sleep, you know, usually with, you know, I would say um, I would like to be in my sleep, you know, peacefully. Um, beside yeah, beside my wife, both of us peacefully. But, um, you know, to be honest, it's, it's so quick then what, you, what are you really worried about? You know, it's going to be such a quick process. You won't even, you don't even know what happened. It won't even hurt you. Um, so a lot of people kind of, um, I guess, kind of, you know, really fluster um, about that. But like I said, if you're really focused on the assignment that you have, um, that you're working well with other people, that you're doing what God calls you to do, that wouldn't be something that catches you off guard. In fact, it would help you to live life more meaningful um, and to just make sure that every moment counts. That when God calls on you, that, hey, you can be with him in the streets of gold, in the mansion, enjoying it, living it up, rather than, you know, trying to get a face towel to wipe your face every second because it's so hot. You don't want that experience. So, so we want you to really understand this concept of graduation uh, because, like I said, that would be the ultimate graduation point. And that is really only that matters regardless of what you earn in this world. The ultimate graduation point is where will you be at after this life? Are you going to be in heaven? Because once you're in heaven, that shows, hey, you did what God called you to do. You did your best. You know, yeah, you may have made mistakes, but at the same time, your heart was in the right place. You were transparent with God. You said, Lord, I love you. And God saw that and you with him. Or if you said, hey, I was presented this message many times. I denied it over and over again to where my heart just became um, depraved um, or to where I just I just didn't even believe that I didn't believe, you know. Um, you know, so those are some things I really want you to, to consider. Um, I think that was all I had, honestly. Um, <laughs> that was all I had, honestly. So, um, I know this was a um, pretty lengthy session, and it may have been some concepts that, um, like I say, may have 
not been um, comforting to you. But like I said, I want you to really understand that, you know, what I mentioned, all of these things in the Bible and God wants you to know um, much more than what I have shared with you um, so that you can be prosperous and that you can also leave, you know, something greater behind for your lineage, uh, for your children's children. Um, so that's all I had. Um, I did have some announcements. Um, if you are looking for a church home or you're looking for a place to call home or you just want to find a family of believers, then we want to invite you to Lifehouse Church. And that is Lifehouse Church, which is in 5180 Paramount Parkway, Mooresville, North Carolina. Our services are on Sundays at 10 a.m. promptly. That's when the singers start singing, singing their hearts out for the Lord. Um, we want you to attend. We want to be able to fellowship with you, to love on you. Again, that is Lifehouse Church. If you're looking for a church home, um, 10 a.m. on Sundays, we look forward to seeing you. And then I also want to mention um, the life groups that we have. So, of course, you listen to our life group, which is DLF Life Group. But there are also others um, associated with our church. And so if you go to my lifehouse church is it nc? nc my lifehouse church nc.com and you navigate to the life group um, section you will find uh, many more life groups and they're actually spread about throughout the wake county area so in case you live um, in durham then there's a life group for you or if you live in um, zebulon there's a life group for you um, or if you live um, near the capital um, Raleigh area um, closer to Wake Forest and there we that is where you have our life group DLF so um, make sure that if you um, are interested um, to plug in with a group of believers um, there are different life groups on different topics you have some that are about a book club some that are about um, business basics understanding how to build a business basics um, there's one about um, jogging um, and jogging while you are um, talking about different scriptures um, then there's also ones that we have at our church on Wednesdays um, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Um, there's one about financial peace making sure that you can get your finances together and then there's another one that's about um, new believers um, discipleship so make sure that you under, understand the concepts as a new believer um, understanding what God has called you to do. It really gets into the word. And so they have family. you have so many different life groups. Um, they're all not the same, but we want you to choose which one that you, you know, best find yourself with. So again, go to mylifehousechurchnc.com and then you'll navigate to the life group section. And then lastly, um, our next session um, our next session is pending for June the 15th. We may be in town. We may not be in town. But um, in the event, we will have something for you. So whether it's a uh, pre-recorded episode or whether it's a live episode, um, we will keep you up to date. And the way that you can stay up to date is follow us on our social media platforms at DL Fellowshipping. And that's DL Fellowshipping on Instagram, Twitter, 
and then our Facebook page at DLF and um, and if there are multiple DLF pages you type in discipleship fellowship um, learning and fellowship um, group so make sure you follow us at DLF on Facebook Instagram and Twitter yes um, so that way you can keep up with us and also we meet um, usually every first and third Saturday um, but like I said the way you can keep up with which Saturdays we meet on is keeping up with our social media pages um, and also make sure you follow us on YouTube because our episodes are on YouTube YouTube Spotify iTunes um, anchors so in case you say hey Jerry I can't come out we got podcasts and say so in case you say hey I usually watch TV a lot well you can go to YouTube we make it easy for you so you have no excuses <laughs> no <laughs> excuses <laughs> so YouTube Spotify iTunes you can listen to it even while you're working even when you're upset listen to us maybe it can calm you down hopefully <laughs> so that's all we have family um, I definitely want to say a prayer and hope you really receive this prayer. Father God, we thank you for allowing us to meet today to dive into your word, to discuss a concept of graduation, which really we really want to understand on a daily basis. And we pray, Lord, that as we move throughout life, Lord, that we we can live full, Lord, meaning that we do all that you call us to do, that, Lord, when you call us, Lord, that we have we have given our all and that we do not have anything stored up, that we uh, were selfish with giving, but that we can give everything because, Lord, you, you want us to be cheerful givers. And that means that we give our talents, our time, the money that we receive, um, the resources that we have, Lord, that we give those, that we do not um, become selfish with where we have, but that we can become cheerful givers. Lord, help us to just meditate on your word, what you call us to do, and to do, Lord, what you call us to do. Um, Lord, may we just continue to walk, and Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to guide us in every step of the way. Lord, help us to obey your every word. Um, Lord, we do not want to be disobedient, so help us to obey you, Lord, that we can advance further in our lives and just to show people how much we love you to continue to disciple people and to just love on people, Lord, as you have loved us. So, Lord, may we be um, a reflection of you and uh, may you just use us for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name and that everyone listening, Lord God, that you would touch their heart, you would touch their mind, and that they would make a commitment this day that they will follow you and, Lord, wherever you lead them, that they will go. Lord, even if they don't understand, may they go. So, Lord, we just thank you. We pray this over each and every person that's listening. May they receive it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.